All right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the CHB podcast. Today, I'm joined with Relly, and we're going to be honest. We have been trying for the last hour to get this podcast to work. <laughs> we haven't been able to do it. I don't know. Zoom shut itself on my computer. We couldn't hear Relly speaking from my point of view. I don't know what happened. We got it to work somehow. And, I mean, now we're here, right? Yeah. We, 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 we made it happen. <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a shorter episode today, but we've still got heaps of stuff to cover, I reckon. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because, holy shit, has there been a lot of Golden State Warriors news recently. Um, I want to hear all your thoughts and opinions on everything that is being said right now. First of all, we know the Warriors have about... I think they've got 12 players contracted or so. One or two more to prove their roster spot, but at the end of the day, they could still probably sign two guys. There is a report going around by Sean Devani that does suggest that the Golden State Warriors could be interested in Carmelo Anthony. What do you reckon about that one? Is that a good move for the Warriors? You know what? That would actually... I think so. Get another season vet. Get a player that who is really great offensively, cheap, uh, another role player, something to come off the bench. He understands his role. I think so. And actually, that would be kind of perfect because the buildup has been kind of crazy. It started off with Draymond saying that, you know, Carmelo was essentially, I mean, he was better than KD, yeah. you know, with that body frame. So I can actually see that. Um, personally, I think Golden State has the best team to compliment Carmelo Anthony. And now Carmelo Anthony is not going to be the best shooter on the team, which is better because now Carmelo can be Carmelo Anthony. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be – that would be a crazy move. I Unexpected, but that would be crazy. Though. I have a really? feeling Carmelo could disrupt the ball movement. You think so? That's my uh, – well, I mean, everyone always talks about, but oh, when he got to Portland, he made their, you know, bench. And when he started, he made them so much better, right? But the thing is, on Portland, the, the number one thing he straight up did, like if you go and watch his game where he dropped 20 points in his second game for Portland or whatever, nearly every single point was off isolation plays. This guy constantly isolates. He has that triangle offense going. And I mean, all the Lakers did this season was the triangle offense. I swear that's nearly the only thing they ran like the whole entire year. And it makes me wonder though, Carmelo is that dude who's been doing that same offense for the last couple of years. How would he go on the Warriors system that's so, like, built off ball movement? You know, they're swinging the ball back and forth on the three-point line. So many screens have been set here and there. Do you think Carmelo would, would he be able to adjust to that straight away or would he continue to isolate? Because I don't think they'd want him to isolate at all. I think he can actually do both, honestly, because Jordan Poole, to an extent, is an example of that. Um, yeah. And I think as long as they have Draymond and Iguodala, as, as long as they got those vets, I think Carmelo would be perfectly fine now. Obviously, he's not going to be running triangle and going to state. I hope not. <laughs> but I do believe <laughs> if he runs the ISO now, they're just going to run more screens for him. Mm. That is going to free him up. And, I mean, I think you've seen a little bit of glimpses of him being a catch-and-shoot shooter now in Los Angeles Lakers too with Bron now. Under, you got to understand he is doing this for Brian. This is one of his closest friends. So 
doing a role like that is probably nothing to him for LeBron James. But when you're basically going to a team who's already destined or considered to be next year's championship contender favorites, I think that's another motivation for Carmelo Anthony. Because, I mean, if ever since Portland, we've seen a new Carmelo Anthony, right? We've seen where people were saying he was selfish. And from Portland to L.A., this is a role player a lot of teams is <laughs> fiend for. So I think he'd be okay. I do think it might be shaky a little bit because, I mean, he will be coming off the bench with Jordan Poole, who's, I mean, is an ISO player too. Yep. Um, but I do think if they kind of stack the minutes, stack the minutes or stagger the minutes with Draymond Green, I think that kind of helps things. Because I do think a guy like Draymond Green is the right type of player around Carmelo Anthony. Because Carmelo right, right. Anthony likes he likes mean and gritty guys who can, he can respect. That's Draymond Green. He's gonna yep. talk. He's gonna be like, hey man, and I mean, and he gotta respect him. He's a champion. Carmelo Anthony like those type of guys. So I think he'd be, I think he'd be great, and I think it would really, you would really see how beneficial Carmelo Anthony is is in the playoffs, yep. because when they are down, let's say a Jordan Poole, God forbid that happens, but when they are uh, down a Jordan Poole, you get that veteran who understands how to create a basket that's that's not have to that has to be on a catch and shoot, because even a lot of teams do play this got out. hurt as well. Even if yeah. something like that happened again, you don't want to say it's going to happen, but inevitably. They always have an injury or two here and there. And so, now you have another threat. Because yeah, honestly, you, you can honestly say um, to a degree, this is why KD was never uh, any like a rupture to the Golden State system because Dakota State, like their offense was already so dangerous. It was nothing really to penalize that offense. Like mm. like they're too well coached. They're too seasoned. They, they've won too many championships for one player to truly break their offense. Now, on a defensive side, maybe, you know what I'm saying, I can understand how that could potentially be kind of worrisome. But uh, on on offense, it, they're not going to expect kind of no problems. Yeah, I guarantee you that. I agree with what you said about his three-point shooting as well. I feel like his three-point shooting and from the catch and shoot, that low-key not only improved in Portland, but as soon as he got to the lake is where he kind of had to you know, sit around LeBron, I feel like that low-key really improved as well. And it's not something that people talk about. Like, his stats are near, I think it's 38 to 40%, which is really good numbers. And there are a lot of times now where that is on the catch and shoot. So, if you're putting him in that Golden Warriors, uh, Golden State Warriors system, sorry, I do think there could be times where he maybe does disrupt it. But at the same time, if he's feeding off a dude like Draymond Green and he is really going there with the purpose of knowing that he is going to have to, you know, run what they they call their system and not, you know, the same thing that he saw at the Lakers in Portland last season. I think it would be a good signing. I just do worry a little bit, though, on whether or not he will fully adapt because I don't want to see him backing down dudes in Golden State. I don't, I don't, I don't think it would work. I don't think they're going to want to see it and... It would just be a terrible look, considering how good their system has been for a couple of years. But he could do it every now and then. I'm not saying he couldn't, but honestly, I just don't want to see those games that he did have in Portland where he was always, you know, trying to do those isolation plays. We see Jordan Poole do that enough, and my God, some of the shots I see Jordan Poole take are very... They're, they're pretty funny. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to see two of that, really. So that's my that would be my issue, but... 
Bringing in that three-point shooting would help. The veteran leadership. Defense might be an issue, but he's still capable of averaging 10 plus a game. So. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like, I just, I just, like, from my perspective, I just don't truly see it being a problem. Like, like, like when you just look at the players Golden State has had on their team and just like as much as so as Andrew Wiggins, to a degree, Andrew Wiggins was kind of the archetype of what you're talking about. That's yeah. not a problem for him. Actually, it kind of helped them in the long run because they needed a player like that. And you put Carmelo Anthony on the bench. Um, now, if this was defense, I think you got me. I just don't. Now, I will say. um. One thing that does kind of um, would have me a little nervous is if Draymond were to go out because I do think you have – like you have to have like an enforcer in there that kind of balance those type of egos. Uh, but I think right now, like if you, if you tell me everybody's healthy in a perfect world and we're at least going to have Draymond on the floor, Curry on the floor – and I think those two players is good enough to make that work. Like, we've seen them work with KD. We've seen them work with Harrison Barnes. We've seen them work with Andrew Wiggins. We've seen them work with Jordan Poole. And they've made it happen. Actually, they made them look better. So, uh, I, I truly think, honestly, and the regular, like, beginning, yeah, it might be a little shaky. But when it get closer to playoff time, I'm telling you this is going to be a monster if they get Carmelo Anthony. Now, I want to back up on what you just said a bit earlier as well with Draymond because there has been a lot of news going around with Draymond right now with the Max extension. You've seen that? that The Golden State Warriors might not be willing to give him the Max extension and Draymond would be willing to leave the Warriors if he didn't get it. That's being said by The Athletic. And Draymond's even backed this up with on, I think it's on his podcast or his talk show or something like that. He said he's always wanted to play for the Detroit Pistons. And remember that a couple of years ago, there were big talks about Draymond potentially going to Portland. Remember Damian Lillard was really advocate on trying to trade for him. If this doesn't work out, let's just say the Golden State Warriors, for some odd reason, don't want to give him the max. Do you see him going to Portland or Detroit, or do you think the Warriors will give in, or he'll eventually give in and sign cheaper? I think he's going to give in and sign cheaper. Um, and honestly, I think that would be in Golden State's best interest to get him, because I don't think he's worth – like, <laughs> I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a keep it a step. It's a lot of players I don't believe – I yeah, I don't believe deserve the contract they're getting. Yes, I understand – Sally Craps is higher than we've ever seen before, and there's a lot of money to go around. But a Draymond Green should not be getting max dollars when he's not giving you max stats. You know, yes, he is a he's a great piece for Golden State. He is a probably a key to Golden State success, but it's not to a point where if you plug Draymond Green on 29 other teams, will he be looking like a max player? No. Right, which is where you have to factor that in. Now, if you if you drop Curry on twenty nine other teams, will he be looked like a max player? Absolutely. If you did that with Clay Thompson, absolutely. Uh, LeBron James, absolutely. This is why we play. We pay those type of players; they deserve their money. But when you're giving Draymond Green, let's say one eighty plus, 
that's not realistic. Like Rudy Gobert, that's not realistic. Ooh. Those type of money is not realistic. And I think Draymond Green understands that too. But of course, of course, he's going to market himself. Like I'm not going to slap him in the face for that because that's what mm. he's supposed to do. Like, he, of course, he's going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm considering Detroit because I, we know this is his hometown. But let's be real here. Draymond, Draymond Green understands the real right now. Mm. He's not going from a championship contender team to a team who, if he joins, might be a seventh, sixth seed in the East and then knocked out in the first round for a couple extra million dollars. You know That what? is not – this might be the first time really ever that I fully disagree with you right now. <laughs> I think Draymond Green should be paid the max contract. because, And the reason I'm saying this is, if Draymond Green leaves the Golden State Warriors, I think there will be a little bit of an effect where they not fall apart, but they will lose much more games. You remember when he got injured last season, they had a, a pretty bad losing streak and they were losing nearly as many games as they were winning at one stage not just that there is a team out there that would double its value if Draymond Green went to them and that is the Portland Trailblazers I cannot stress enough how much better the Trailblazers would be with Damian Lillard and let me elaborate on this right now they have absolutely no defense whatsoever other than Jeremy Grant. Their defense is piss poor. It is so bad. Draymond Green is a top five defender in the league. I will I don't want to hear arguments at this point. His stats all back it up. If you're adding Draymond Green to that Portland Trailblazers team, you slot him at the four, can play the small ball five, Jeremy Grant the three or four. The defense skyrockets right there. Not just that Draymond Green, who's a point forward the type of guy who's going to average eight-plus assists per season, if you were to partner him up with a dude like Damian Lillard, that would be scary. Like, that would legitimately be what a little bit of a discount version of what they've got going on in Golden State right now with Stefan Draymond. Damian Lillard has never played with a dude like Draymond who'd be able to feed him the ball like that. He's never even had anyone who can set that, you know, good of screenplays like Draymond Green can do. He knows how to fit in a great system with ball movement. And if he's got Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, all to pass to, who are all terrific catch-and-shoot players, except maybe Nurkic, I mean, I can see that Trailblazers team being really, really solid. In my opinion, he could be one of the missing pieces that they desperately need, other than more defense and bench depth. So I do, I do think there is a market there for Draymond Green to get the max. I do think Portland will be sitting right there and they will be looking at potentially giving him a max contract. And there will be other teams that come knocking. Like I reckon in a couple months there'll be, like Detroit, I mean, even though he might not be the best fit, Jesus Christ, Draymond Green in Detroit would be scary. You know what I mean? They don't have, they're not paying a whole lot of dudes right now. Um, I think once the season ends, there's a market there as well. So I think there is a market for Draymond Green to get the max. And I think if Golden State don't offer it to him, other teams will. So I'm not saying he'll leave, but I do think there is a market for Draymond Green out there. And I also think he would elevate a lot of teams so much better. Me and you have got Portland as probably a playing team right now. Because we know they're, they're missing a lot. 
They're missing a crap load of defense. They're, I think, missing a second playmaker even. They're just missing another all-star caliber guy. Draymond nearly ticks every single box that I've just mentioned right there. If you were to add some more big man depth to that Portland team as well, like another center, preferably an interior dude, bring in some bench guys. Jesus Christ, that Portland team would be crazy. But you know me, I got excited about Portland's prospects last time. And what happened? They absolutely just stunk mm-hmm. out the offseason. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, that's why I'm just a little hesitant. Because I just, like, <laughs> and this probably, like you said, it's probably the first time we just strongly disagree. Yeah. I just don't think, let's say hypothetically Draymond goes to Portland. I don't think he really pushes the needle that far right now as Portland is constructed. Right Now, him and Dame, I agree with you. At that part, I do think they would be very great together because of how Draymond makes sure Damian Lillard would be able to get the rock. This would be the closest thing to uh, Steph Curry because Dame does not get a lot of credit for what he does. He does a lot of Curry-like things. Yep. And technically, statistically, he shoots at a uh, a longer range more consistently than Curry. Uh, fun fact. <laughs> but yep. the problem I have with this is not because of Dame. Is because of the rest of the team, right? Because, yes, I you said uh, discount version. I think it would be a huge discount version because who's going to be the Clay Thompson? Who's going to be a Jordan Poole? Who's, shoot, who's on that team that's well, even Andrew I mean, Wiggins? Si- Simons could be the Jordan Poole. And I'm but just saying, Jer- Jeremy Grant, though, low-key, is still a dude that can average you 17 to 20 points per game. Great three-point shooter, great defender. I mean, every player on that Trailblazers team is going to be a discount to what they've got in Golden State. But is Jeremy Grant doing that consistently enough? Well, we we don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see, I think, because we haven't really Uh, seen... I mean, in Detroit, he was supposed to be the number one guy. It wasn't. Yeah. And that's the problem. And then Fernie Simons, he was supposed to already be at CJ McCollum level. Yet, I mean, the only time he came kind of close to that level is when Dame and CJ was not on the team. So he had he had all the free time to get those type of points. So it's like, all right, now if you do plug in a Dame, let's say you plug in a Draymond who's going to probably have the ball a lot in his hands to move it out. Mm. You got Nurkic, who I don't they should have resigned. Nah, yeah, I agree with that. I just, I just don't have faith in the team overall. I just don't think mm. – that's even, like, a hair close to what the Golden State Warriors has built so far. I just don't think – now, yes, would they be good enough to make the playoff? Absolutely. I do think that would be a sixth or maybe a fifth seed team, depending on injuries. But if we assume everybody's healthy, I just don't think that's enough. I think they'll be out in the first round with that team yep. if Draymond were to go there. I don't think the offense is consistent enough because all those players you named before, they haven't shown us so far that they're consistent now. A perfect world of Fernie Simon's development from last season to this season would be crazy. That's what I'm that about would, to say. That, Could you that, imagine what happens if, like, Nurkic actually stays healthy, Simons pops off, does those type of numbers, and then Jeremy Grant does his thing. They've still got Josh Hart and Gary Payton, like, good defenders there. Yeah. Just imagine, yeah. like, if that team did actually pop off. But that would be that would be kind of the gem or the, the lucky gamble there is a Fernie Simons. Will a Fernie Simons have a development year where he jumps? Because that was the, that's why they pay a Fernie Simons that money because they in their mind they they figured a Fernie Simons would be CJ McCollum. 
at the very least. So if this season he jumps to that, all right, you replace CJ McCullum for a cheaper contract. You got Dame still, you know, and you added two more pieces, technically two more pieces, and you got Josh Hart, all right. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, can you really say this team would be better? They just need center depth, man. Like, I can't – I don't guy, understand how they went into this offseason and they brought Yusuf Nurkic in for, like, $18 million. He barely plays. Like, let's just say I think he'll play half this season. That's my honest prediction. I hope he plays the whole season. It'd be awesome if he did. Let's just say he plays half. I don't even know who their backup center is. And then if once he starts starting, they're going to have to sign me or you to come play backup center for them because they've got no one else. Like, Dame's going to be playing backup center. I don't know how they're going to do that. Hmm. And again, that's another reason why Draymond would be perfect because, like, this team seems like they're trying to go very small ball as well. Seems like that's the, the direction. In an in a NBA where a lot of teams are trying to imitate what the Cavaliers built, the Trailblazers said, no, nah, we, <laughs> we don't want that. And they're going to go a lot smaller. Even Nurkic, like, Nurkic isn't a good interior dude. Like, he'll shoot threes and be a injured version of Nikola Vucevic, just maybe with a better interior um, scoring game. But at the end of the day, his defense is just... I mean, it, it's just not existed. But I do think... Precious. I do think so. Portland should be looking at Draymond. Will he leave? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> he's got a good thing going on in Golden State. But at the end of the day, I think Damian Lillard would make a good case to get him to the team. So you might look at that. We'll move on to some Cavaliers news now, though, because there's a, a little bit going on. Uh, not a whole lot, but the Colin Sexton thing has not been resolved. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but the most recent report, and this report has been suggested for a whole month, but it's coming out, and it's really funny because Kobe Altman is not changing his opinion. He, he doesn't care. He legitimately doesn't care. It is being said that the Cavaliers and Colin Sexton I've had yet again new conversations about a new contract, but both sides remain very far apart from an agreement. This is being reported by Chris Fedor. Fedor also states that the Cavaliers have consistently offered a three-year $40 million deal and have not increased the money. Sexton wants closer to $20 million a year. So basically, the Cavaliers are offering about $13.3 million a year and Sexton wants $20 million a year. Does Sexton remain a free agent till the end of time, or does this ever get resolved? I'm going to be honest with you. The only way this is going to be resolved at this point is if he gets traded. Because, and this is the reason why I say this, right? Speaking on Portland, speaking on the Fernie Simons, uh, Fernie Simons has got, what, $120 million, 100 right? million, I think. Colin Sexton in his and I know in his mind he is probably like I'm better than Fernie Simons. I would have said he's better than Fernie Simons. And he Simons. is, yeah, you're right. And he is. He, <laughs> and this is the first time he's ever gotten injured. First time, especially for this long. This is the first time Colin has ever gotten injured. And in the back of his mind, he's like, "How is it that this player right here, who's the same position as I am, is getting more money than I am?" And you're telling me thirty? You're you're t making me take a pay cut, and he can argue that a hundred million is already a pay cut for what he was doing for the Cavs before they was even kind of recognized. And this is where 
it's kind of it's kind of ironic because it's like a year from well a year ago <laughs> it was almost destined where Colin Sexton was going to get that extension right that, that was like Kobe Altman's gem like this is the one he really believed in and now after one year of <laughs> of players that let's be honest was not expected to make it this far mm. like we was literally one game away for making our first playoff without LeBron James. And now Kobe Altman has made the decision, why would I pay you this type of money if I know I already got two players that's made the All-Stars and Darius Garland and Jared Allen, and I can very well I, – I can very well potentially either develop a star because I got that much faith in my, my scouting reports because, I mean – or I can trade for one. Mm. And, shoot, to be honest, he might even be able to use Colin Sexton to get that player he wants. And and don't get me wrong, a lot of play, a lot of teams would probably want Colin Sexton, but I think the only way out of this is if he gets traded because I don't think Colin Sexton is going to take $13 million. It's yeah. imposterous. Like, you're talking about – if you're talking about three years, you're talking about almost a 50, what a $40, 50000000 million contract. 40 million, yeah. So let's be like when you got a Fernie Simons making a hundred, you got you got Jaylen Buddy Hill. What about Jalen Brunson? 26 million a year or so. He's probably he sitting there looking like and he averaged 14 this season. Or 15, give or take. Yeah. Right. And then, like Buddy Hill making 100, 120 million. <laughs> like mm. less. Let's be honest, like Colin Sexton, like this is where some of these players is broken the market. And I see some general managers, Kobe Altman is taking a stand, but from the player's perspective, you can kind of tell, like, that's his mindset. Like, you got players like Michael Porter Jr., 225. Oh, no, Michael Porter Jr. is by far the worst contract, I think, probably in the NBA. (laughs) He's got a guaranteed $220 million. He doesn't even play. The guy doesn't play. He, He had a terrible start to this year like that guy was shockingly bad and yeah. he gets paid 40 million dollars at the end of the day and people yeah. people talk shit about ben simmons's contract and it's like ben simmons yeah i know he's not really playing but at the end of the day neither is michael porter jr is that guy yeah. playing no yeah. at least when ben simmons plays he actually does something Michael, um, I don't get it. I don't know. My issue is as well is, yeah, I agree with you on that. Colin Sexton, he's a $17 million per year player, I think. Give or take. But the ridiculous factor is is that the tr- the market has been broken. And I-, I think not just that is, who values Colin Sexton in the league at the moment? What team does? Because you're talking about trading him. Who wants him? I don't, I don't know if anyone even wants Colin Sexton at this point. I feel like we would have heard a lot more about... And that's no disrespect to Colin Sexton. Like, I just feel like no one wants the guy. And the issue is, is like... I think what Kobe Altman will be doing is he's probably waiting for a team that was like us last season who not a single person reported that we were interested in Larry Markkinen. Then, out of nowhere... I think Kobe Altman made the call like a day before he made the trade. 
So it, it took a day and a half for Kobe Altman to get Laurie Markkinen like that, right? I think he's hoping that there's a team out there who has never been interested in Colin Sexton, but has a change of heart and says, hold on, this dude might be too good to be leaving on the trade market. I might have to go and get him and then see what happens, all of this type of stuff. But what team? Who is going to be that team to go and get Kobe Altman? I don't know. <laughs> it could be San Antonio. But we know they really, really want to tank. They really want to tank. They want that Victor when banana dude. That, yeah, I mean, you can technically do that with Colin. That's I'm what I'm saying. Cle- but I'm going to say Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland did it with Colin. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland did it with Colin. So, I mean, he would have a team where he can technically develop. And, I mean, I don't think San Antonio has enough talent where Colin would even really be able to be no, competitive. I so, I, I think they – technically would want to do – I mean, they could do it. I mean, that's the only team that comes to mind. That's mm. the only team who truly needs a guard right now. But um, that will really be uh, it. <laughs> I, I mean, the Jazz would be a cool one, but they have 19 oh, yeah, guards right now that they need to trade. <laughs> They're not yeah. making any progress with the Donovan Mitchell situation. None of that is happening at all. If you're the Knicks and you can't get Donovan Mitchell – wouldn't it be funny if they just say, ah, screw it, we'll just settle for, like, concepts. <laughs> so much cheaper. Uh, no, that's not going to happen, but I don't know. I just don't know what team that's out there. I mean, if you were the Lakers, if you were LeBron, you should be heavily trying to do something there. Because even though I don't think the Cavaliers would want THT first and Kenrick none at all, geez, you'd, you'd still try it if you're the Lakers. Um... But other than that, I, I literally can't think of any team. At the end of the day, though, Orlando are interested in Jordan Poole, too. Did you see that? They came out, and they're interested in trading for Jordan Poole, which is an odd one to me. So if if they're interested in Jordan Poole, there has to be someone that's interested in Colin Saxon. <laughs> but it doesn't look like it. <laughs> it doesn't look like it at all. Do you think yeah. what's going on in Orlando too? By the way, after you've done talking about what you're going to say, I, I want to know what's going on there. <laughs> They're doing Orlando things. Orlando yeah. is just Orlando's a weird organization, right? Because it's like you can never know the mindset of Orlando Magic. Because it's like before they got uh, what Benchero, I think that's how you pronounce. Oh, I think I might have got it ben right. Hero. I think it is. <laughs> Man. But before they got him, right, for the last – well, the last three years, they literally ended up getting, what, three guards, right? They got yeah. R.J. Hampton. They got uh, Cole Anthony. And then they, they got traded yeah, Jalen Suggs. as well. So that's four. That's four guards that they they basically wanted to see which one of them would be starting guards. The closest one to that is probably Cole Anthony. Uh, Marco Fultz hasn't really been able to play. Uh, Jalen Suggs is not looking. You know, damn well, I disagree with the Cole Anthony thing. But then Orlando fans, like, roast me in the comments. And I don't think Orlando fans know. They don't even know because there are Orlando fans out here (laughs) thinking that Markel Fultz is their future starting guard. Oh, the team is better with Markel Fultz on the team. This and that. Why would you draft Jalen Suggs at five then if you think Markel Fultz is your future dude? You don't, yeah. because you don't think Markel Fultz is your future guy. 
Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> that was the point because they, they got hurt and they were like, you know what, let's go with plan B. I agree with you on that one. I do think Cole – now, I will say I was once – I didn't. I thought Cole Anthony was a little bit uh, – I didn't think he was going to plan out. But just the more – I started really watching him. Uh, I think Cole Anthony is going to be okay. But he has to stay healthy. I don't – I think he could be a star, but it's going to be like one of those lower tier yeah. stars. You know what I mean? Like, say that. but I, I do think – I think Cole Anthony be a gem. I, I just don't think he's going to be a he, – he's not going to be a superstar, though. I think he might be a fan favorite, though, for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh. But then you still got to handle the situation with Jonathan Isaac. That's – Kind of, I, I want to know how to go around that. Is he starting yeah. this year? Have they? They haven't even kind of said like what's the the starting lineup projectively because no. it's like because you kind of got a lot of players that can really start like mm. like the Pinchero, which I know I probably botched his name again, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you got a uh, Fred Wagner. Um, well, you've you've I, also got Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba, like. On paper, yeah. this Orlando team is relatively stacked, but it's stacked in the wrong way. Like, yeah. a really, really wrong way. You have a really good 10-man rotation. A really bad 11 to 15-man rotation, don't get me wrong. But you're still looking at, like, Marco Fultz, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancuro, um, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, and I feel like I'm still missing someone. You still got RJ Hampton there. Right. I think that's... I'm probably going to trade Terrence Ross. Yeah, no, I you still got Terrence Ross. That's 10. And I feel like there is 100% one other person I'm missing. But the team is so weirdly constructed. And then you're going to tell me you're interested in Jordan Poole. How are you going to get Jordan Poole? Because first of all, the money situation on this Orlando team is still very odd. Um, And yeah. se second of all is like, you get Jordan Poole, you've got like six guards here that all want to start. It's a really odd situation. And how does Jordan Poole mesh with Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony, who you already want to be your future starting guards? Does well, Jalen Suggs would have to get moves. Yeah. He would, uh, he would have to moving get Jalen Suggs? You would have to. And Fultz. You would have to. You would have to. Like, you would have to because you basically got four – Potential starting guards, right? I guess Fultz could kind of come off the bench. He can, but I realistically, he want he he probably like that was one of the reasons why he wanted to leave Philly for a new beginning to start. Mm. <laughs> but he keeps getting hurt, <laughs> and he's he's and he wants to get well. Technically, he did get paid. He did get what <laughs> he got eighty million. I think he got he got, <laughs> he got some cash. So you know, and I'm not pitting eighty million dollars off the bitch that's me right mm. and so it's like so it's like if you do get jordan Poole, yeah that's not gonna work because yeah you don't even got the assets because you would have to give up carter yeah you don't got the assets for that it it wouldn't it you wouldn't don't got that yeah that wouldn't work yeah and like if you're golden state this is an absolute highway robbery like they're never going to be bad because if you trade up jordan Poole, you're probably going to be bringing in wendell carter um, Jalen Suggs and something else. Because, yeah, doing this right now, you you are basically saying that Jalen Suggs has no value to you whatsoever, and he only had one bad season. I think anyone with a big NBA brain knew that Jalen Suggs was probably going to suck in his first season. 
I that's why oh, another reason why Toronto took Scotty Barnes is because they knew not only was Scotty Barnes going to fit better, but there was always something like odd about Jalen Suggs, and it, he was always going to transition. It was going to be a hard transition into the NBA. So I feel like everyone knows that, and they're just kind of ruining his value. And it's not like he's that bad of a player. So yeah, I think we can all agree that we don't know what Orlando are doing. But low-key, Orlando have some, like, ferocious fans that will chat and talk mad shit if we, if we don't say what they want. They've got some 100% absolute dedicated fans that are low-key really good. And, I mean, they, they all argue with each other, though, like, who's going to be their starting dude? If you had to say what their starting duo would look like at that guard position, do you think it will be a Mark L. Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Jordan Poole, or... Cole Anthony, out of those four players, who's going to be the players to start at the one and the two? If you're if you're saying it, I, well, Cole would have to be my one, mm. and then do you think Jordan Poole gets to the team? <laughs> yeah, Jordan Poole by default would have to be my like if he's on the team, he would have to be my two. I, I'm not starting Markel Fultz, and I'm not starting Jalen Suggs, uh, which is why I'm kind of like, like to your uh, point where you say like the Magic fans is kind of like um, they're they're aggressive, they're hostile because they you know they got different star or different players they think is going to be the franchise. I can't even really blame them because in a like if you really like you said if you really look at their team, they have a lot of potential on the roster. The only problem is Orlando has historically been known to not be able to develop anything <laughs> as long as they've had gems, which is the problem. Like, in a perfect world, Jalen Suggs should have a lot of potential. Unfortunately, you're probably never going to see that in Orlando because you drafted a 1,001 point guards that's not going to allow him to ever develop on your roster to even be considered a starting caliber point guard. Yeah. Then you got Markel Fultz. He could be, but by the time he comes back from injury, he's going to have to fight for for a starting position from a 1,001 point guard. Is he back then, from injury now? I think he returned at the end of the season and played pretty good. But, like, at the end of the day, anyone could play but, good on that Magic team. Yeah. And this is when, if he played, this is when they started kind of, like, taking Cole Anthony up because they was kind of rested. I know at first I think it was, like, his toe or something. It was, like, something bottom half. They was – they was really just trying to make sure Cole Anthony wasn't overexerting himself. Yeah. They didn't want to get him a big time hurt. But it's like <clears throat> right now, you can kind of see Orlando, they're really banking on Cole Anthony. I think Cole Anthony at the very least can be that. But it's like the rest of the team, Jonathan Isaac, a lot of people thought Jonathan Isaac would be their superstar because it was just he could play defense, he had the potential to be a scorer potentially, but could he stay healthy? Then you got Fraz Wagner in the middle of the year. He was showing his flashes of potentially being the next uh, star on Orlando Magic. Then that kind of start fizzling out a little bit. But he's going to be battling minutes with Jonathan Isaac, even though they're probably going to stagger both of them in the starting lineup. But yeah. it's like Jonathan Isaac and Fraz Wagner, to a certain degree, is doing the exact same thing on the court. And then you got Mo Bamba, and Wendell Carter, who's eventually about to be fighting for the same position for money. 
So it's like, what do you do, Orlando? Because it's like a lot of people like Mobamba. I like Wendell Carter. A lot of people like Wendell Carter. Yep. Both of those players, it's injury prone. Jonathan Isaac is highly favored, but he's injury prone. They're also Francis. two very different dudes, Wendell Carter and Mobamba. Yeah. Because like, like, if you're Orlando, are yeah. you, you going for the interior defense? If you do that, you're going for Mobamba, which you probably yeah. should be doing. But also, I, th- I still think Wendell Carter is the way better player at the moment. Because he's a better offensive player. Yeah. Like, Wendell Carter is a more natural scorer to the game. But, like you said, the problem is Mobamba is a better rebounder, in my personal opinion, and he's a better defender. I agree. But it's like, what do you kind of value? Because it's like, you can low-key kind of take a Mobamba if you believe in the rest of the player's offense. Like, how much faith do you have in Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, and your guards? <laughs> but then again, you you could argue and say, you know, I can give up a little bit of that defense because Wendell Carter, he makes offense so much easier for us because he's a threat. Inside, outside, he takes some shots on the perimeter. And then, you know, he, he understood to a <laughs> to an extent, he's like a like an offensive version of a young Dwight. Yeah. He can also In move a power forward now too, um, Wendell Carter, so, which is weird to see. Like I didn't know I didn't know he could do that. And he started a power forward like this whole season. Yeah. That was but an odd the, thing. But the problem is Wendell Carter's unfortunately injured pro. Mm. So it's like you have to pick because Mobamba is also injury prone. So it's like you have to pick your poison. And I don't know if I trust Orlando to do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they did they don't that have technically the... with Victor Oladipo. Yeah, they don't have um their third center anymore. Their, their other contending starting center, Robin Lopez, <laughs> oh. who's come to the, uh, the Cavaliers to be our 15th man. How good. <laughs> Don't have to worry about that problem anymore. But yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Orlando right now. Um, we'll go back on to the Cavaliers, right? And there's been a thing that's been said by ESPN's Bobby Marks. He says, the Cavs should be considered a legitimate threat to sign LeBron James when he becomes a free agent. Not just that, the Miz also like did a little mm, yeah. a little thing. And he was like, LeBron, we, we need you in um in Cleveland as well. And there's a, a lot that I think a lot of people are talking about here. But my thing is, I think you – were you the one that said you think LeBron will stay in LA? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't used to think that, but I've had a change of heart. I think LeBron might stay in LA, but also he could go wherever Bronny goes. And there has been a lot of talk about Bronny and different colleges. and. One of which um, we'll get into a little bit later, who have out of nowhere become the favorites to sign him. But where do you think LeBron James plays next season? Because if what I'm saying is if he re-signs with the Los Angeles Lakers, he can come back and do like a $10 million deal, a $15 million deal. I think everyone expects him to sign much cheaper this time. Then once you do that, then you save about $20 million from your contract. You've got Westbrook's $47 million expiring deal. Kendrick Nunn's $5 million expiring deal. Lonnie Walker's $7 million expiring deal. And you're probably going to be moving THT for like a Pat Bev or someone like that, right? At least they hope. At the end of the day, you could low-key have like $50 million of cap space to play around with. You could bring in 
a near max guy and also sign good solid role players as well. And that Lakers team could maybe it starts to look a little bit more bright, you know what I mean? So do does he does he stay with the Lakers or do you think he goes through the Cavaliers maybe? I don't think he, in a perfect world he goes to the Cavs. I don't I still don't think he's gonna do that. At this part of his career, I think what he's gonna end up doing is he's gonna do a short term extension. Because at the end of the day, I think right now, L.A. is his perfect world because he's doing a lot of sponsorships, a lot of endorsements. He's getting his shoes uh, a lot more creative. He's doing movies. He's doing a lot of shows. He's doing a lot of stuff in L.A. You're right? telling me he's going to sign with the Clippers. No, no. <laughs> no. No. They would, oh, they would be ecstatic. Oh, yeah, the Clippers fans would be, lose their mind if that happened. But he's not he's not going anywhere. Now, the now what I will say, the caveat, I do think he's gonna do a short-term deal because I do think he's gonna he wants to play with his son. He wants to see where his son is going, right? And this is where he pits a lot of and this is where Braun is really, really strategic because Braun knows one, he wants his son to get drafted. And what better way to get your son drafted is to let the league know that I'm gonna structure my contract where my contract ends the same the same year as my son is projected to get drafted, right? And you know how earlier they was talking about Brown might not make it. He might Brown, he might be a late second rounder. But do you see how all of that narrative changed the moment his extensions start coming? <laughs> then all of a sudden these college offers start coming yep. into these big marquee colleges. <laughs> then all of a sudden that G League thing, oh, we're not going to the G League. We going straight to college. Because they understand now, right? Bron is making sure Bronny gets the right attention because they don't want him to be second. They want him to get first round. They want to make sure Bronny has enough attention where he can get in. This is why. He, this is why. In my mind, this is why he avoided the G League thing, yeah. right? If he had a little bit more recognition, I think he would have went that route. But he's trying to build that up because now Bronny has to. Well, Bron, he has to build build up for his son to make sure Bronny gets in. Now, what's going to end up happening though? When Bronny gets drafted, that's the team I think uh, Bron is going to end up going to, which is why I think how Bron is doing this is so, so strategic because now the Lakers is going to have to figure out a way to get how to get his son. And it's because it's going to be 30 teams who's literally is going to draft oh. him just just out of the just off the mindset they know if they get Bronny, they get Bron too. Yeah, well, first of all, the Lakers are not going to be able to get Bronny. I don't think they have got no assets to be able to. That's that's first and foremost. Second of all, if LeBron wanted to do that, it'd only be a one-year deal. But what I'm saying is, what he could do is go to Cleveland on a two-year deal, one of them being a player option, right? Bronny goes to Ohio State. Or some Cleveland College, whatever it may be. Either way, you're still going to get so much like headlines and reporting around you, whatever it may be, right? The Cleveland Cavaliers have some of the most assets in the game if they wanted to get Bronny. Let's just say Bronny is projected to go at 25. The Cavaliers have don't have their first round pick this year because Indiana will have it. If the Cavaliers wanted to get, like, 18, though, to make sure they damn well got Bronny, goddamn, do they have assets. You know, you still got Colin Sexton, which, whatever's going on with there, right? 
And then you've got players like, if you bring in LeBron James, how much do you need Isaac Okoro? You don't. You you really don't. How much do you need Karis LeVert? You probably don't need him either, really. You're looking at those type of guys who you can 100% trade if you were to, you know, guarantee this. Because not only would you, let's just say, if you were to trade Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro and maybe a future first for pick 15... Yes, that is probably a very, very big overpay, and whoever gets that deal is 100% winning. But at the same time, you take Bronny at 15, and not only do you take Bronny, but you bring in LeBron freaking James. That's, I think, the mindset the Cavaliers might be going into next season. If LeBron plays with Bronny, I think Bronny could still be a superstar in the league. Like, he could develop into one one day with his mentorship and that from his dad. He could... Or there could be the other alternative that maybe he needs to spread his wings and maybe it would be better for him to get away from LeBron. I'm not sure how we're going to look at that. But at the end of the day, that is an alternative. I want to know what you think about that before I tell you who's the favorite to sign Bronny. I'm going to be honest with you. I think for Bronny's sake, it would be in his best interest to play with Bronny. Here's why. Right. What Bron does very, very well is that he takes a beating when it comes to the media, publicity, anything. Like, if anything goes wrong, we will not hesitate to dog Bron, right? Now, what Bron does for Bronny is all of that attention goes straight to Bron. Yes, Bronny's going to get some moments where be like, he's overrated, he's not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But all that damage is going straight to Bron. And Bron knows that. And that's his point. That's That would be his instance of doing that. So Bron can actually develop. Now, because if Bronny's on his own, he's already going to have the reputation. You're Bron's son. So you have to be great. Like, if Bron was an all-time player, he's going to be the all-time leader in scoring. And we've already seen Jordan's sons. They literally didn't even make the league. So you're literally... You're literally the prophecy <laughs> for Bron. You're the heir to the throne. As yeah. cliche as that is, cliche also, as that is. Also got to mention too, like, and I know people will hate to say this, but if Bron gets another chip or two, what is stopping him from being the GOAT? Other than his yeah. shitty-ass political opinions. <laughs> but what is, yeah. what is stopping LeBron James from being the GOAT, if that is the case? All-time leading scoring five or six championships, which he could very well win another one with Cleveland if he elected to go to Cleveland. What is yeah. stopping him? There is not a whole lot. He's statistically the best all-around player we ever saw. Like, like the only thing you can technically say he don't have is a defensive player of the year, but he literally got robbed the year Marcus Saul got the defensive player of the year. For yeah. def- like, that, like that, my, that, my, that four-year Miami stretch, that was literally the, like, people feared LeBron James on defense. Like, if you seen him behind you on a fast break, you knew that was not going in that basket. Mm. Like, you, like, <laughs> like, literally, Bron had, man, Bron was OP in Miami. Yeah. It's weird how he, he was just OP. randomly turned into the greatest defender in the league, and as soon as he got back to Cleveland, he stopped again. I don't know yeah. how that happened. Like, how did he 
And I don't know if it was a four-year stretch. I would say it was more 2012 and 2013 where he just turned into the GOAT defender and then just stopped. I don't know how. But first of all, Marcus Gasol winning is a load of crap. I'm pretty, didn't Marcus Gasol make the second team as well? Yep. Yep, like, that was just yep. a ploy to not have LeBron be the defensive player of the year. I think we all, we all know that. But yeah. And if LeBron James, imagine the team that he would be able to build in Cleveland. Like you would have, Der- you'd have LeBron James at the one, right? So this is offense, by the way. This is not defense because, of course, you wouldn't have Garland guarding the two on defense. But on offense, it'd be LeBron at the one as the main point forward, Darius Garland at the two, Markinen at the three, Mobley at the four, Jared Allen, Allen at the five. There is not a single thing that that starting five does not have. You name something, and I will tell you that starting five has everything. Everything. It does not miss anything. Maybe perimeter defense. Maybe. But you're still, at the end of the day, LeBron James, if you want to tell him that the only thing you have to do defensively is be good on the perimeter, LeBron's doing it. You know what I mean? I guess I know marketing Garland, whatever, but the end of the day, that is a championship-winning team. Defensively, it would be insane. Off the bench, you would still have amazing defenders, amazing depth players like Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love. Off that bench is already insane as it is. Karis LeVert, thus far, would still be on that team. So would Isaac Okoro. Robin Lopez there as well. If you don't upgrade any of those guys, that's like Cleveland could legitimately still upgrade that backup center position. By bringing in like a, a Javel, like a Javel McGee type of veteran player, that that is yeah. a lot to kind of go off. I don't want to hear no one telling me that that Cleveland team could not win the championship. But I do, and I would like to say because this is really out of the blue, but somehow the favorite to get Bronny at the moment, according to a guy named Andrew named Mac, I've never heard of this guy before. If I'm being completely honest, but this report is going pretty viral right now. The Oregon Ducks have emerged as the clear favorite to sign Bronny James or to land Bronny James, you know. What what is that all about? Why why would Bronny go to Oregon if there is an offer from Ohio State and other Cleveland colleges now, right there? You know what I mean? No. Now, I will say, Ron did come out himself to that report and say, you know, that that may be a little too, you know, I'm saying that might be inaccurate. It will turn the tenure that Brown wanted to go there that, that strongly. But for Oregon's sake, I think it's just, it's just a relationship, that Nike relationship. They want Bronny. And, I mean, it will be a perfect – a perfect world. It almost look like he froze a little bit, but yeah, oh. that'd be a perfect world. Yeah, it'd be a perfect world. If I, I think for Bronny, out of all the colleges, though, if we being realistic, if he were to out of all the ones I've seen, because I've seen uh, UCLA, USC, um, Oregon, Ohio State, etc., I think probably the most his favorite. Just just thinking like how he's kind of built himself up now. He's mm. kind of like. Literally going behind Bron's steps, I think Ohio State would probably be um, Bronny's location. 
Yeah. But I can see Oregon. All right. So as an Australian, we have university. We don't have college, right? And at our university, Mm -hmm. you don't – 99.9% of them, you don't live on campus. You don't do any of that type of stuff, right? There's not really a, like, college – you know, like, everyone's like, oh, what college did you go to? This and that, right? I have my, I'd say six out of ten of my best friends go to university, right? I could not tell you the universities they go to. I don't even think they know where they go to because it doesn't really matter here in Australia. But in America, it's such a big thing. Like, it's attached to you forever. So... I, as someone who knows nothing about the Oregon College, and for others who might know nothing as well, do you know wh- why would it be a good spot? Like, why is Oregon the spot wh- that is the favorite for Bronny at the moment? It's that Nike relationship. <laughs> That's really what it is. And it's, what, what it's is their it? brand. What does that their mean? Brand- like because Oregon, they're they're high brand uh, with uh, Nike, and that's also where the the well the founder of the of Nike was born. Right. So a lot of that, so a lot of that would associate really with that. So if he really wanted to be high ranked in Nike, go there. But let's be real, he has Bron, so he can really avoid that step right there. Because I mean, obviously, he's gonna sign with Nike. Yeah, like Bron, like that. So it really would be just that relationship there. Um, Ohio State, on the other hand, if you've ever been to Ohio State, anybody who's watching this who's been to Ohio State, you know how big that campus is. Like the 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 culture of Ohio State when it comes to sports is amazing. You're not telling them. Oh, and actually, let me pay some respect on the name because it's the Ohio State now. When you say that name. You know that the Ohio State is great when it comes to sports. They're not playing games and they're not accepting less. Oh, their football is insane. They always have major guys get drafted. In the NBA, it hasn't been as much yeah. recently. But to be fair to them, it's still as well. I think in 2015 or 17, they still had a good period. They had like D'Angelo Russell. Um, I forgot his name. Is it Cadus Diop or something like that? I think he went there. And then Ja'Shawn Tate, who played for Ohio State, went to the NBL and played for the Sydney Kings, I think. And then he's now playing at the Houston Rockets. So they had a little bit of a decent run. But yeah, there's also the indication as well as a lot of people are saying whatever college lands Bronny could actually be the NBA team as well that could be the the favorite. Because I think a lot of people... Uh, like LeBron, do you think the strings that he's pulling, that I feel like the impact he has on the basketball world is low key insane. Yeah, like it is low key yeah. insane. And the negotiations, if he was to say to Ohio State, all right, I might want Bronny to go here, but I want to see what the Cavs think. Do the Cavaliers think they will try and trade picks to get him eventually? And like knowing LeBron, he's probably talked to Kobe Altman. Like he's probably rang him up saying, all right. I will only send him to Ohio State if you can guarantee that, like, you'll be interested in drafting him. Because if you draft him, I will come with. And that's making me wonder if he's, you know, orchestrating this whole thing. Like, it's his master plan that he's talking to whatever NBA team will draft him the highest. He'll make him sign with a local college. 
And then he'll make sure not only does Bronny go to that NBA team, but he goes as well. Does, is that is that a just outrageous to say? Or do you think LeBron is really just pulling every string in the game? And that whatever college he goes to might be an indication of the NBA team. I don't know if it's an indicator of the team he's going to, but I do I do agree with you that he's pulling the strings. That's why I said earlier, if you really just look at why he completely canceled up the G League, you got to understand why. Mm. <laughs> People usually go to college because colleges, this is a big tip, this is one of the best ways to get recognition, especially if you are not on the same level as one of these marquee guys, like let's say a LaMelo Ball, right? Mm. LaMelo Ball, he could afford to go overseas because he was already prospect yeah. as a top five talent. Oh, well, it's, it's it was case closed. That. The NBL is way more televised than what the J League is. Like, I, I have never seen the J League on a TV before. Never, <laughs> ever have I seen that. The NBL is on every Australian and New Zealand station. I think it's on a lot of the Asian ones as well. And not just that, when LaMelo um, was in the NBL, they were televising a bunch of games to America. And even before the draft started, I remember they televised one of Josh Giddy's games because they used to play for Adelaide. They televised that on, like, I think ESPN in America or something like that. I never see G League games anywhere. Like, who watches the G League? I, I've never... Like, yeah. you know, who goes to yeah. the G League? Like, no disrespect, but it's like... That's why I feel like that route was just never gonna be a an option. Could, if if he would have had more recognition, I th he would have he would have chosen G League route, and he would have yeah. chose it because he would have been able to get his his endorsements. He would have mm -hmm. been able to be a little bit more free. But like I said, I don't. He didn't do that because he didn't have enough recognition. This yeah. is why Jalen Green chose that route because he knew. I mean, it was a, it was better for him. Yeah. <laughs> like like in and how the NBA looks at things like. I know you said with it uh, when he went to Australia it was uh, televised, but yep. you still got to know it still had that stigma where they was still saying Lamelo Ball is not really playing any true competition, even though it was probably true competition very, down very there. But it was, but that stigma, like it's each one has his stigmas, but that yep. college one, I know for sure he picked that because he needed to build himself up a little bit more, which is a Bron decision. I mm. this is a LeBron James decision because he's trying to raise his stock. And to be honest, you might be you might have the nail in the coffin when you say uh, whatever college team he goes to is the team that's going to have the probably ideally who's probably going to want to draft him because let's be real here, most of those teams when you have a player that's college is literally down the road from you, you're probably going to scout him the most because yeah. he's literally to a degree homegrown talent. And this is why typically talent who is usually close in proximity to those teams is usually drafted because that's who they see, right? This is why DeAndre Ayton was so heavily favored in Phoenix but, yeah, because he, true, went to, he went there. And yeah. this is why I, that's what you I, might be right. That's why I think LeBron could low-key be maybe pulling a string or two. But I know how you ruled out that. Wait, where did you see the report about the G League? Because I did see something about it, but this is also kind of, I, I'm not surprised, though. I knew, I think, the J-League was always going to get ruled out. But there was a report um, a week ago uh, from the owner himself of the Sydney Kings, and he said they were majorly interested in trying to get Bronny James. And there's a rumor going around right now 
that the Sydney Kings GM has potentially spoken to LeBron James in the recent week. Do you think, is there any chance, do you reckon he might make the, the plane trip to go down to play for Sydney? He could if it's if the money's right. Yeah, I well, can see it. Like, like I think all like you got to understand what Bron all bets is off. Mm. Like Bron is he'll really listen to you if everything makes sense. But for Bronny's case, I think he just he whoever gives him the best circumstance, the best chance to get to the league, yeah. the best chance to get a first round draft. Yeah. That's who well, there's with. there's major the, – the games here are majorly televised, like the scouts here are insane. Not just that, like there's clearly a lot of money. You know, um, the Brisbane Bullets recently went out and signed a, a couple of guys recently out of the blue. Uh, Aaron Baines, they signed. They signed mm. Aaron Baines, so I think a one-year deal. And they signed Tyler Johnson. You remember Tyler Johnson? Yeah, he got signed <laughs> yeah. by the Brisbane Bullets. And they also signed some other guy, I think. So there's – you know, bringing in three former NBA players right there, there's clearly a bit going on. And not just that, not only I think are Sydney interested in Bronny, but the Illawarra Hawks are only, I think, an hour away or so from where the Sydney Kings are located. And the Illawarra Hawks had LaMelo Ball. So there's a lot going on there, you know what I mean? I think there will be a, a bunch of teams that talk to these type of plays. Even Melbourne United, they recently just had um Matthew Dallavadova and Jock Landale. I think Jock Landale, he's playing for Atlanta now or something. He got traded from San Antonio and Matty Dallavadova just signed with Sacramento. And they were all just playing for Melbourne United not long ago. So I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron does look at it. But the only reason I think he would look at a team in the NBL is if he were to buy it. You know what I mean? I think that would be LeBron's strategy. He would like to buy the NBL team, whoever he plays for. Like, that's what um, Illawarra did with LaMelo. Le- LaMelo got done playing with Illawarra, and then he tried to buy him. Like, as soon as he got his NBA contract, he tried to buy him, and it didn't go through. But I don't know. I still think that would be relatively funny. But So are you saying the G League is fully ruled out? Do you think NBL might be as well? or I'm not going to say that. I think mm-hmm. I, I just that's why I theorize that Bron's plan from is to put him in the best situation to get his value up. Yep. And I just like like and when you look at the stigma of the G League, it's just the fact that you're playing NBA talent is just you're not getting recognition because a lot of people's not watching it. Mm. So a lot of people's like who are you? like they know who you're playing, but they're not watching you play against some guys. So they just assume you just. Eh. They're really just basing you off of what you did in high school. But that's a problem because a lot of people is saying based off of Bronny high school appearances that he's not somebody that should be drafted yeah. first round, which is why you can already kind of see this is why he would want to go to college. If if he can get some televised time overseas and it's highly, you know, watch, I can see that. Um, maybe get an international presence like LaMelo Ball has gotten, which is – Merchandise is selling like crazy. Yep. Maybe, but... Well, there's been um a couple of players from the NBL that have got drafted in recent time that have done well. LaMelo Ball went at three. Josh Giddy went at six, I think. He played for Adelaide. RJ Hampton went at 21 or something. He played for New Zealand. 
And Usman Jeng, who played for New Zealand, I think he went at 13 or something. And then Luke Travers from the Perth Wildcats. Australia, uh, Cleveland took him at pick 57 <laughs> or something. So we still retain his rights. So, I mean, clearly there is a lot of success about playing in the NBL. Makes me think that Bronny could do it, but I don't think he will. I have a feeling LeBron will send him to whatever college. He might think that whatever team that is associated in the same city or state as that college, I think would be an interesting one. Because that's why I think, I'm hoping it's Ohio State, man. That's why I'm hoping he maybe goes to Ohio State. I think that would be really slick. But when I'm, there's probably two things I want to get uh, into very shortly. Uh, we'll make it pretty short. But there's a rumor by Sam Amico saying the Denver Nuggets are interested in Carmelo Anthony. Do you think that would be a, a good deal? Because there's a couple of teams now that are interested in him. So Denver, they're the, they're the team that's now interested in him as well. Not only a Golden State, but Denver have come out and shown some interest. I can see that, uh, especially I, – I think especially after you look at Denver, what they look like without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, they definitely lack the offense. I know they got yeah. Aaron Gordon. He applied a little bit more defense to him. He gave them some offensive moments, but he really gave them just another switchman defensively. Um, I think they what, they traded Will Barton, right? Um, they traded so Will can, Barton, and um, I think it was their backup point guard. I think they – traded from members. I think two of them right now are playing for Washington. I think Will okay. Barton and someone else is playing for Washington. And they brought in KCP, who adds good perimeter defense and great three-point shooting. So I can see them plugging and getting Carmelo Anthony because, like I said, he's improved on his catch and shoot. You got Nikola Jokic, who is a passer, who's going to see him every single time. And I think that would be an incident, an incident where – Carmelo being an ISO player actually complements that team because they need consistent scores. Uh, and especially if MPJ and Jamal Murray's not there because they, they they just need it. And even when they are on the court, they still need it because sometimes, as much as I love MPJ, his offense is just, it's, it's not consistent right now. Mm. And Jamal Murray, like in the regular season, he's kind of inconsistent. The playoff is a different Jamal Murray. But for that season, now you can get a little bit higher seating is what I think Denver has been trying to strive for for the past couple of years. Because yep. they've been matching against teams they don't want to see in the first round. and It's been unfortunate, especially when you when you encounter those, those um, injuries early like yep. Denver did. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think Carmelo on Denver would be dope. I think Carmelo on Miami would be dope. Yep, they're interested uh, as well. And this would be a long shot, but I think if Charlotte could try to get in that in that oh, in the Charlotte for Carmelo definitely Anthony, need him. Yeah. That would be dope. Hey, shout yeah. out Jamal Murray. He was in Melbourne yesterday at the NBA store. I don't know what he was doing here, but I think he did a meetup, so <laughs> <laughs> shout out Jamal Murray. But yeah, Denver I think would be cool. Not just that, they need shot creators, and I think Carmelo Anthony adds a bit there. I think Miami, if he they're such a big defensive team, so I'm not sure if it would work a whole lot. But also, I still think it makes a little bit of sense to kind of do it. Um, but yeah, it, it is a, it is the. I think Denver are probably the best fitted for Carmelo Anthony. I really like that move. Another one that's being said uh, by the Athletic is the Los Angeles Lakers have picked up their um, endeavor 
to try and get Kyrie Irving. It's saying that the Lakers are expected to step up their pursuit of Kyrie Irving by finally offering the maximum number of first-round picks, which they have, is two. I'm going to be the guy to say this right now. I think the Lakers are out of the race for Kyrie. I don't think the Nets are going to trade him. I think, unfortunately for Lakers fans, you're going to go into this season with practically the same roster as last season. It just got a lot younger. Is it better? Probably not. I mean, to be honest, I think it got worse because yeah. you lost Malik Monk. <laughs> and you replaced it with with yeah. uh, Lonnie with Walker, a, who's not a shooter. Like he's not a. You got another slap. Like you got another slasher who's not a great shooter, and you lost one, and you potentially lost a second one in Carmelo Anthony. Like you can't even afford to lose Carmelo Anthony because if you do. All of the pressures on Anthony Davis to start hitting shots again. Yeah. Because if he don't and Russ, let's say Russ plays a little bit better, that's still not enough. <laughs> and y'all might mess around and not make the playoff again because y'all team is just like from a chemistry stand. Well, from a flooring standpoint, offensively is garbage. From a defensive standpoint, y'all should be really good. But based on what we seen last year, is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think, to be honest, I would probably rate the Lakers offseason a D. Um, That's a bit generous. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit nice. The only reason – yeah, I gave them – because at the end of the day, they still got Bron. You know, they still got Davis potentially. And I do think Russ – I love how He's going to be a little <laughs> – yeah, yeah. Russ might be a little angry this season. But it's like from an offensive standpoint overall, realistically, me just – thinking about playing basketball, yeah, it's going to be worse. You lost Monk. You potentially lost Carmelo Anthony. Like, you cannot – like, LeBron right now should be on the phone with Carmelo Anthony. Like, man, uh, Come back. Let's we need you for one yeah. more year. Like, you know, the the we, thing is, though, I actually think the Lakers are in a pretty good situation. And why I say that is because I do think they can trade for Kyrie. It's not going to happen, though, at this moment. But it could happen at the trade deadline. And what I'm saying is, if you get Kyrie Irving to the team on the trade deadline, right, he's an expiring contract. And why that really benefits you if you're the Lakers is because I don't think he's going to leave. If he really meshes well with LeBron, if LeBron wants to stick it out for another year, which it's rumored that he is going to do, right, yes, you've lost two first-round picks to get Kyrie, this and that, but LeBron is the top. We, we know that he's probably going to take a big pay cut this offseason. So instead of accepting a forty to forty-five million dollar deal, imagine if he did about ten to fifteen million, right? And Kyrie Irving is that crazy ass dude that I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, "Oh well, I don't want to go anywhere else. I mean, I've had fun in this half season. I'm here. I'm just gonna because why not? I'm gonna race on on a one-year deal as well, and it's gonna be on a mega pay cut. And imagine if they did that. Imagine all the you know, role players they could sign to come help that team. It would be pretty insane. Whether Kyrie did that or not, they could still sign the max and they get good role players. They're not that in a bad of a situation, but I don't see them making the playoffs just yet. They've still got to do a lot. But I guess we're kind of, we'll end it here. This was a very good podcast after taking 18 years to try and set it up. So I thank you. <laughs> I thank yeah. you for being patient. Um, and, I'm excited to see what, because I know you're going to go make some videos right now. So I'm keen to see how they're going to go. Uh, so I'll, I'll tick, I'll, I've kept that bell on to be notified when you upload. So 
go subscribe to Relly's channel. Hit that bell as well so you know when his new vids come out. Um, comment in the comment section down below what you guys thought about this podcast. Would you like to see us do another one? This and that. And our thoughts and opinions. Subscribe to the podcast channel if you haven't already. But yeah, leave a like, subscribe, and comment.